Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. We're going to go to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start reading in verse 17. If you haven't got a Bible, then it will come up on the screen. But we are in week two today of a series that we're doing in our church entitled In Wonder. And let's read Ephesians 4, 17. So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. The futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity. This is our verse for today. Having lost all sensitivity. They have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of Him and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, this is our text for next week, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's go back to verse 19 just one more time. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. This series that we're doing is entitled In Wonder. And we are examining living our lives with a sense of wonder in who we are. Our, our kind of key phrase that unlocks the series, we talked about it last week, is in verse, nine, verse 18, where it says they have been separated from the life of God, the life of God. This word life in the original Greek language that the Bible was written in means to be possessed with vitality, to be filled with a sense of life and awe and wonder, wonder. When we're thinking about wonder and what God wants to bring, because that's what the Scripture's saying, God wants to bring life to us, wants to bring wonder to us. We could use other words to describe wonder, like awe or magnificence or splendor, or as we pointed out last week, my favourite word, wow. It's such a great word, you can say it forwards or backwards, it doesn't matter. Wow. To live your life going, this is amazing, I'm so grateful, I'm thankful, this is a good life, I'm grateful to be living it, so thankful to be alive today. And we can also look at wonder by considering what it isn't. And wonder is certainly not bland, blasé, ordinary, in that sense of like lacking with vibrancy. Wonder is to have a life that is possessed with vitality. When I became a Christian, this was the initial impact that I noticed of finding Jesus that it had in my life. And that's why the series is so important. 
because I became a follower of Jesus. I know there are hundreds of stories like this out there today. And if you've yet to be a follower of Jesus, listen real close. I found Christ. I found Jesus. I woke up the next morning. I looked out my bedroom window and it was like the day the sky was bluer, the grass was greener. I was in an easterly facing room. The sun hit my body, but it seemed to also hit and just somehow pervade my soul with a feeling of wow, wow. That's what Jesus does when He comes to a life. Whenever you see a child, you see wonder. That's what you see. A child is like, I can't believe it. You know, I'm awake. This is amazing. Every parent is thinking, no, 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 it's not amazing. If it would be amazing in two hours, but right now it's not amazing. But children, children are just buzzed out on life, you know, just alive. And the truth is that whilst children might be like that, it's not difficult, even just, you know, going around a, a crowd as big as this one, you can probably find someone who just feels that everything about life is bland and blasé and dull and boring. And God did, does not want you and I to live a life like that. Why is it that so many people lack wonder? Well, we talked about last week what we entitled the, the spiral of, un, I'm struggling to spell it, unwonder. And I'm just gonna put the letters up, but the words will come on the screen. We talked about the fact that the reason why we struggle for wonder is that we live in a world that drifts towards indifference. Yesterday's, yesterday's dream is today's thing that we don't really care about. We work, we get something, and then we become a little bit ho-hum towards it. We can't live like that. We can't live with a feeling that life is empty or dull or gray and indifferent. And nah, yeah. So then once indifference has taken root in our lives, we then begin to fantasize. This is an if only. We begin to think about something else, someplace else, someone else. We're fantasizing about a new life or a new environment or a new partner that will somehow make our life better than it is now. And the danger with fantasy is fantasy leads to withdrawal. Rather than engaging, wholeheartedly being where we are, we begin to back away from the environment that we're in, which then leads to greater indifference, greater fantasy, greater withdrawal, and we're stuck on the spiral of unwonder. Now, God doesn't want you and I to be stuck living a life like that. And when we think about wonder, by the way, we often tend to think that the way you get wonder is to be in an environment or a state in your life that is wonderful. Like, you know, I would have wonder if right now I was on a yacht, you know, sailing around the Bahamas, you know, waking up in the morning with whales or dolphins or something. That would be a life that is filled with wonder. I don't believe for a second that when the Scripture says you're separated from the life of God, that God is saying, I've only got wonder for the uber wealthy or for those who have no pressures at the moment or for those that have no small children. God's got wonder for you. Even if you've got deadlines at work and even if you've got difficult circumstances, hey, listen, especially if you are in difficult financial circumstances, God has got wonder for each and every one of us. Do you believe that today? And the reason why God promises wonder is that His wonder is not circumstantial, it's relational, relational. When I found Jesus, a new relationship came. 
And when that new relationship came, wonder was awakened. Proximity to God is the awakening of wonder. Knowing God is to know wonder. And I believe that this is very, very important for you and me. Now, the greatest, one of the greatest challenges that we face right now is the stated societal dichotomy between normal or ordinary and wonder. When I throw out words like normal or ordinary, immediately everybody hearing this talk is thinking, uh, nothing amazing about normal. Nothing amazing about ordinary. And we live in a culture where nobody wants to be normal. I have people come up to me literally in church foyers all the time and they're saying, man, I just don't wanna be ordinary. I do not wanna be normal. And my problem with that line of thinking is that when I lead the, read the Bible, when I lead the Bible, when I read the Bible, the Bible leads me. When I read the Bible, I become convinced that the majority of what the Bible teaches is not to the extraordinary or the really wow. The Bible's application is nearly entirely to the normal. I mean, literally when you read the New Testament, it's not saying, man, life's gonna be amazing. It's just saying, listen, love your wife, love your kids. You know, try not to have arguments with people, make friends, look after people in need around you. The Bible's not even saying, hey, I'm gonna give you this life that is filled with money and wealth, quite the opposite. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, you know, don't, don't desire more, be content with what you have. Be content with what you have. And then it backs that statement up by saying in the book of Hebrews, for I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So the Bible is putting a direct correlation between contentment and God. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So stop living your life like you need a lot of other stuff because wonder is not gonna be found for you if you get all the stuff you covered after, wonder is gonna be found for you when a relationship with me takes its rightful place in your life. In fact, how's this one in the book of 1 Timothy? The Bible tells us that the love of money is the root of all kinds of people of evil. And it precedes it by saying that when you start to lust after money, that you fall into a temptation and a trap that will enslave your life. And I want you to remember that. A temptation and a trap that will enslave your life. So the Bible's teaching to normal, but nobody wants to be normal. If I was like, man, you know, I mean, I'm 40, you know, three years old. If you were to come to the most people in my stage of life and just say, man, you know what? What God wants for you is just to live an ordinary life and just live normal and just, you know, just, just raise those kids and pay that mortgage. Everyone's like, oh, surely there's a little bit 
extra in it there, you know, or if I was going to come up to you as a teenager and say, you know what, you're going to know the life God has for you and you're never going to be the captain of the first 15 and you probably won't ever have any kind of remarkable job and, you know, but, but you're going to have a life that God's got for you. Everyone's like, whoa, 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 backing up from that like somehow we're preaching heresy or trying to destroy your life. But here's the deal, guys, the vast majority of us are going to live a very, very normal and ordinary existence. So we're gonna have to saddle up and start asking ourselves, does God have for us a boring, dull life that we resent and regret and we resent Him for it? Or is He saying to us, there are messages coming at us that are destroying the quality of our lives because we're buying into things that He doesn't want us to buy into. I mean, you know, when you think about it, the dreams of our generation who don't want to be normal and don't want to be ordinary. Here are, the number, here are number one and number two. 93% of our world today wants to be famous. That's the number one dream of our generation. Here's, here's number two. 91% want to be thin. Yay! <laughs> Then we start to realize, we start to realize, team, and we talked about this last week, that a lot of people who achieve those two objectives in life are broken, hollow, drugged up, taking their own lives, can't hold their key relationships together. They are not living a life that is filled with wonder, even though they're living a life that we would perceive as being the opposite of ordinary. So maybe it's time for us to realize not everything that glitters is gold and we need to be thinking about a new way of living. When you think about it, our society has got a whole lot of challenges that are coming into it. I mean, fraud is becoming massive in our time. Everybody's got this, this employment fraud. People are stealing money from their bosses, ripping off the system, you know, in every way that they can. There's just an article coming out every week about a new form of fraud. We, 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 we're in consumer debt. We're buying more and more stuff on credit cards and getting a new credit card to pay off the last one. Morgan, uh, uh, marriages are breaking down at a rate of 50%. And then, you know, even a lot of people don't even get on board with the bus. There's just a whole lot of people who are sinking their life into pursuing something that when we look at it, we realize it is not working. And the overwhelming messaging of our age is that normal has no wonder. But the Bible is saying normal is filled with wonder. And when we read the Bible, God is like, be planted where you are. Enjoy your children. Pray to me. Be content with what you have. The Apostle Paul wrote and he said, if I've got food and I've got a, plate, a roof over my head, I'm happy. I have all that I need. I am content and my life is filled with wonder. I reckon we all need to give God some praise for the life that He gave us, right? You know, our problem can be that in our generation, we're psyched up on dreams, we're disillusioned with now, we're confused and we're discontented. And the reason why is that although dreams are important, you need a dream for your life. Chasing a fantasy will never result in a life of wonder. In fact, I believe that unless we are willing to embrace normal, we will never know wonder. 
We never will. Because God has already blessed our lives so richly that we should be living with that sense of thanksgiving every single day. My mother used to sing to me all the time when I was a kid, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. You know, count your blessings. You know, I can't remember the tune, but I can hear her voice in my head. And she was like, you know, don't, don't think about what you want, what you desire, what you supposedly need in your life. Think about what you've already got and you'll suddenly go, holy Lord, you have already blessed my life in so many ways. God gave you life, He gave you health, you can smile, you've got joy, people love you. And no matter what is going on in our lives, we need to come back, come back to Him. Um, uh, see, here's what, here's what our text says. We're in verse 19 for today. And it says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality. So it's drawing a comparison. It's saying there is a sensitivity that when you lose it, sensuality tries to fill it. There's a sensitivity, and when you lose it, sensuality tries to fill it. This word sensitivity, if you have a New King James Version of the Bible, gives a really good translation. It says, when they can no longer feel, feel. See, the truth is, team, that you and I have been created by God with a body, a soul, and a spirit. And your soul demands feelings. The reason why we love sunrises and sunsets is because God made us to feel, right? He doesn't want you going through life without feeling. But He is saying, man, when your heart gets hardened, and we talked about a calloused heart last week, when your heart gets calloused and it loses its ability to feel. Remember, we talked about a pricking of the pin and the sole of a heel that's been walking around on gravel or something like that, and how you can prick the sole of a foot with a pin and the person won't even feel it. They have no sensitivity. And the reason they cannot feel is because the skin has become so calloused, or as the Bible translates it, so hard. They've lost the life of God because of the hardening of their hearts. And friends, the truth is you and I, we need to feel. And God has got feelings for you. He has feelings for you. When a person puts God at the center of their life, Feelings are awakened. When I saw that grass, it was greener. When I felt the sun, there was an extra warmth in it because God stepped in and I became sensitive to what was around. And our key phrase for this series, we're gonna say it again today for anybody who mixed, missed last week. It is possible to go through this life unaware that we are not troubled by things that should trouble us and not and not stimulated but excited by things that should stimulate and satisfy. And when God is lost, when a heart is hard, when we lose our sensitivity, an unfeeling soul goes after sensuality. This word sensuality means excess or lust. 
In other words, it's just all about getting and trying and going after and moving beyond the reasonable realms of what could fill something in our lives. And so we, we, want, a, we want a new thing or a, another, another spouse or a, another car. And we're like going, 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 trying to get stuff to make us feel again. And the Bible is amazing because it then says, it says that having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves, themselves, you, me, we gave ourselves over, over to sensuality. And when you look at this in the original, it literally means to be imprisoned. The greatest thing that's perhaps a challenge for us in our world where so much messaging comes from the spiral of unwonder where, where then people are like, well, I don't wanna be normal or ordinary. I wanna be famous and skinny is that then, then people start to say, well, you know what we need in our lives because we've, because we've lost that love and feeling, right? Because the feeling is gone, what we really need in our lives is we need somebody that's gonna allow us to be free. This is the most controversial word, I think. Free in our time today. Why is it so controversial? Because our world says the messaging of a, of, of a culture that has lost its sensitivity to a God who said, I will give you life and life in all its fullness. I want you to live your life alive and happy and celebrating goodness and thankful for where you are. When that is lost, in a person's life, well, then we're like, well, we've got to, we've got to get the sensual thing cranking here. Let me, let me outwork my lusts. Let me go after excessive wanton desires that are on the inside of me. So freedom is defined as free to. I am free in our society when I am free to drink what I want, smoke what I want, sleep with who I want, do what I want, go where I want. And that is a definition given to us of freedom. And we don't wanna be normal and we don't wanna be ordinary because we're searching for wonder. Well, when you read the Bible, of course, you realize that the Bible does not promise you the freedom to do whatever you want. So what's the Bible saying when it's saying, I'm gonna give you life and I'm gonna give you wonder if you can't do whatever the heck you feel like doing? Well, what the Bible's saying is something far deeper. Jesus, Jesus came to set the captive free, free. That's what he said. In fact, Galatians chapter five, verse one is one of the most important verses in the Bible. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. That's why Jesus came. So if that's the truth, yet the Bible doesn't give you freedom to do what you want, then what is it saying? The Bible is saying, I've come to set you free from. I've come to set you free from what has imprisoned your spirit and your soul to the need to feel. I've come to give you back enough wonder in every moment of every supposedly normal and ordinary day 
that you're not feeling like you need to top up the wonder with an illicit drug or a new experience or walking away from your marriage to get 2.0. I have come to give you enough wonder in every moment of every day that you flat out love the life you're living right here and right now. You are awakened right now to enough reason for joy and thanksgiving that you're able to love and be thankful for the life that God has truly given to you and to me. Is that not awesome or what? A life that is filled with wonder. That's the life that God has come to give to us. In fact, it goes on and it says that when you give yourself over to sensuality, it's so that you can indulge in every kind of impurity and you end up just wanting more. Indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Now this word impurity means a contaminant, a contaminant. In our office, uh, because of a message I preached last November that probably a few people loved and a lot of people hated about, about what you eat, um, you know, we have a big sign on, on the lunchroom wall and it says, eat real food made by you or someone near you, mainly plants. And I like going around when people are eating not real food, not made by you and not by someone near you and not plants. And I like to ask them whether they're eating real food or fake food. If you weren't here, it's uh, in our Lost Me at Leviticus series on YouTube or on the podcast. But uh, in this series, we're talking about it. I like just to ask people. I'm, I'm not here to judge. I'm just here to ask you. Real food. Of course I'm there to judge. Uh, is it real food or is it fake food, right? Because we know that real food is gonna fuel me so that I can live a great life, so that I can serve God better. It's gonna bring healing to things in me that are sick, but I know that fake food is gonna do exactly the opposite. The reason why we have obesity, type two diabetes, heart disease, the reason why we have so many people with cancer even is because the food that we're putting into us is not fueling our bodies, it's contaminating ourselves. And that's what the Scripture is saying. Listen, don't just think about the physical. Clean eating is currently right now really hip and cool. But I want you to know the Bible has always made it hip and cool, not just to eat clean, but to live clean. To live with enough wonder because you've got God in your life. You're not trying to go beyond the real relationship to a fake one the real intimacy of a relationship to a fake intimacy, not from real joy and wonder to the illicit found in some kind of drug or experience. God is saying, I'm gonna give you enough wonder that no impurity will ever be needed by you. I'm high on the most high. That's the high I'm living with every day of my life. And there ain't no high like the most high. If you believe me, give me a little amen out there. Yeah, it's an old school phrase, but it's appropriate. It's appropriate. And then the Bible says, even with that, even with that, even with all the sensuality and all of the stuff you get to try, you never wake up and say, I've, I've, I've got enough. So if that's not the case, then let's unplug from it. If we're still craving more and more and more and more and more and more and one trillion, two trillion, three trillion, four trillion, five trillion, if the consumer debt and country debt has gotten so high that nobody can actually ever see it ever getting paid off, then maybe we need to start asking ourselves whether getting more is gonna make us happier. In fact, I believe 
that unless you and I are willing to embrace normal and ordinary, we will never know wonder. And unless we're able to find contentment with what we already have, no new thing is ever gonna make our lives better. The problem is not what we lack, the problem is the one that we're not connected with. And when we fix our relationship with our Creator, then we will find new joy in what we already have in our lives. Anybody receiving this today? I believe that we need to look at our lives just a little different way because if you want more, more, more all the time, then my friend, maybe something is wrong. If we're craving, 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 wanting, coveting, desiring, needing, then maybe there is something really wrong. In fact, when you draw comparisons between heaven and over here, sensitivity, hell, in heaven, you're content. And in hell, you're longing for more. Now, C.S. Lewis said this. He said, heaven and hell are just extensions of our lives right here. Meaning, you know, we're in the Bible. The band can come and join, a keyboardist, keyboardist can come and join me. Um, in the Bible, there's a, a rich man, you know, and a guy sits at, his, sits at his gate. There's a story Jesus told. And the rich man and the beggar both died. And the beggar went to heaven, as with Abraham, and the rich man went to hell. And the Bible says that the rich man looks across the expanse and he sees Abraham and he says, Abraham, would you send the poor man to come to me and get him just to dip a little bit of water on my tongue? Because I, I just, I need more. I need more. But in heaven, it's the opposite. It's not the needing of more, it's the content with what you already have. So maybe the most awesome life change that could happen out of this talk today is somebody could just say, I am gonna look for a degraded degree of sensitivity to God rather than just giving in to the wanton need of more. Have you read the passage of Scripture? In fact, let's just talk about it. The life of David. When you read the life of David, you realize that here is a, a great illustration on the story of wonder in any person's life. Because David starts his life and everything about David's start in life is challenging. I mean, his, his parents, you know, kind of reject him. He, he, has, he has dodgy motherhood. You know, we don't know what, what his mother's story is, but she's different to all the others. And he's the youngest kid and he's sent out to the back paddock and he's not really accepted. But David took his pain and he made it an opportunity to just connect his life more intimately with God. So David establishes this amazing relationship with God in his life. I mean, he's, he's literally sleeping under the stars and nobody knows his name and he's out there in the shadows. He is worse than ordinary. He is a reject. He's on the side of life. He's got nothing going on. But in that state in his life, he pens a Psalm called the 23rd Psalm. And in the Psalm, David talks about his life and this is what he says, the Lord is my shepherd. 
I've got Him in my life. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. More is gone. I've got everything I need. Then He says, He leads me beside, into green pastures. Sorry, what does it say? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. The grass is greener. The waters are beautiful. My life is filled with wonder and I have all that I need. He goes on in the last verse. He says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I've got God, life is good. I could go through the valley of the shadow of death and I would still have nothing I need and nothing that I fear because I've got God. And listen, friend, what David is describing is what God wants for you and for me. A wonder, a joy, a contentment, a satisfaction that is not based on being popular or loved or wealthy or famous or or traveling the world or having all the circumstances removed or being able to do whatever you want. It's a wonder God can give you that says even in the worst days of your life, you can know a God that's right there with you, causing you to cease a reason for joy when there is none apparent and something to be thankful for when everything looks difficult. That's the wonder God wants to bring to you and to me. And obviously we know the story of David. He became king, not just king, but the most successful king that Israel has ever had. Achieved a level of influence in his generation that was truly phenomenal, perhaps unparalleled. Yet, once all had been given to David, somewhere he lost his wonder. So we've got this passage with David where we find him on the roof of his house and he's looking out and he's searching. Searching, searching. This is the eyes of our generation. When the kids go to bed and we're scrolling through pages, looking for clothes that'll fill the void, looking for a new car that'll supplement the the lagging feeling of excitement in our lives. Whether whether our, our gaze goes beyond that, and as David's did, moves beyond into the illicit or, or, or the vile or whether, whether we're searching, searching in our hearts and pondering. David was on the spiral of unwonder. His gaze finds that which he was coveting for. He finds a beautiful woman who names Bathsheba and he takes her to himself. And of course, you know the story. And David got to a point where he realized what he'd done. And so he pens a psalm, a new psalm, Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me, I'll be whiter than snow. And then in verse 10, I want this to be our prayer this week, this week. Verse 10, he said, Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence. 
Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And here's our line, team. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I want you to know when I found Jesus, the grass was green, the sky was blue, the sun was warm. And for the first time in my life, I needed nothing else. And if we've lost the joy of our salvation, if we've lost the wonder of our lives, then we can pray David's prayer. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Bring me back to you, God, and discover, as David did, that his mercies are new every morning, that God loves you no matter how far you've drifted from Him, and that wonder is available for us in every day and every moment of our lives. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.